Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And uh, Aubrey, today, I am so excited to be sharing with you, with everybody who is listening to this, this episode, because um, this, is a, this is a unique one in the sense that we are interviewing someone who's already been on the podcast before, Teresa Glantz. Mm-hmm. She was in episode 145, and she is one of our certified guides for Nothing Is Wasted. And we're interviewing her along with one of her, I don't even know what we call them. I don't want to call them clients. I feel like that just sounds so, but someone that she has been coaching through the pain to purpose pathway. And this, so I I heard this, you know, we've been doing certified guides for right at about a a year now, almost. We started at the beginning of 2021. And, um, and, And this is the first story that I've heard kind of full circle on how that process went for somebody. So as soon as I heard the story, I was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. We We have have to to feature this on Mm -hmm. the podcast because people need to hear how, you know, having somebody walk with you in the, in your pain, who has been there, who's been and experienced what you've experienced, right? right? There's something so special about the uniqueness of this. And I remember when we were first, um, I remember when we were first kind of brainstorming about this idea of certified guides, you know, originally with nothing is wasted, Christy and I were coaching people, but we knew that that wasn't scalable. And so, right. um, you know, the, the, the reason that coaching I feel like is important is because the first counselor that I saw, now this is not to take anything away from counselors. I love counselors. I think everybody needs to go and see counselors and you find a counselor that works for you. But the first one I saw after my late wife was killed, he, after I shared with him where I was at, what was going on and how I was processing through things, he looked at me and he literally, Aubrey, he said, I don't know if I can help you. Oh, <gasps> really? Like, like, and I'm appreciative that he didn't waste he, my time. He was aware of his own uh, he, inability, inability yeah, to help in that area. He was like, I've yeah. never been through anything like you have, and I don't know if I have the tools mm. to help you walk through something this traumatic. Like, wow, walking in to find your murdered wife, like that. Yeah. And and so at first I was taken aback by that. Uh huh. But later, as I you know think back, and I'm like, oh, I appreciate that. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks. There was a guy who had been uh, kind of, you know, not, somewhat known in Indianapolis whose wife and daughter had been murdered. We actually featured him on the podcast. Mm. Uh, his name's Todd Erb, and he reached out to me. We sat down at Starbucks, and he literally walked me through so much of my healing. Oh, Did he, wow. Was he, was he a, a counselor? Did he have any kind of certification? No. He wasn't even mm. a pastor, mm. but he had been there. He was a yeah. follower of Jesus. He loved the Lord, loves the Lord. And he'd been there. He'd experienced Amazing. it. He knew exactly what I was going to be experiencing, what stages wow. I was going to be at and the pitfalls that I would. And so, you know, th- this is kind of became the, 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 the conception of the idea of what if we, what if we got people, assembled people who'd walked mm-hmm. through nearly every uh, facet of pain, mm-hmm. every nuance of it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, child loss or abortion, regret and recovery or sexual betrayal. Yeah. And if someone came to nothing as wasted, said, hey, I need some specific one on one help in this area, then we can we can refer them to that person. And that is what became Certified Guides. Unbelievable. And so now we have at the time of this release, we have right at 35 Certified Guides who are able to help people one on one in different 
areas of pain. So I want you to, I want you to, as you're hearing this story, I want you to one, ask yourself the question, like, is there somebody that could help me? Am I in a place where I, I'm a little it's bit good. stuck and I need yeah. that, uh, that coaching from somebody, by the way, that, uh, episode, the episodes that we featured Todd and Kathy Herb, who became kind of my coach or certified mm-hmm. guide unofficially through my journey, um, is episodes 17 and 18. So way back. Wow, the early days. Of the early days of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, but you're not going to want to miss those episodes. Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I'm excited. I know that was like a long way of sharing, but I'm so excited for you to hear from Teresa and Naomi in this. Yeah, their conversation and their relationship is really, really something. So I, I know our listeners are going to be blessed through it. Let me let me read a um, review, Davey, if that's okay, before we go on to Absolutely. listening to that conversation. Okay, this one is titled Best Podcast. Hey. As you know, it's always a good review. We'll take that. Um, this person says, I always share these stories with my friends and family. This podcast has a lot to offer and a lot of amazing stories. Keep up the great hard work and stories. Wow. Love it. Isn't that cool? That's I know so I cool. love that too. Super cool. Hey, I want to mention that this episode is sponsored by Dwell Daily Ministries, a ministry who helps women find freedom in God from their hurt and pain through dwelling with Him and dealing with their own stuff, which I love that. Yeah. yeah. And once you've been able to find that freedom, it's a lot more fun to dwell with others and be able to support each other. They actually have a podcast themselves. It's called the Dwell Daily Podcast. There they share stories of hope and insight on dwelling in hard situations. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram by searching Dwell Daily Ministries. They have a website as well, dwelldailyministries.com. They have classes, Bible groups, marriage groups, spiritual mentoring, and a lot more. So we want to thank Dwell Daily Ministries for sponsoring this episode. Thank you so much for that. We want to invite you to stick around after this conversation because Aubrey and I are going to unpack the conversation and provide a little bit of our own commentary. You're going to thoroughly enjoy and be ministered to by Naomi's story and how Teresa has walked her through her healing. And so let's go ahead and take a listen to that conversation now. Teresa and Naomi, I am so excited to have you guys on the podcast with me. Both of you, this is a very special moment. Yeah, I'm excited. It is. Um, let me tell you a little bit to you guys. Um, I, I want I want you to know why this is such a special moment for me. Um, I, you know, these are some of those full circle moments, right? As kind of a, a founder and, and visionary of any kind of organization or movement you see way out in the distance, man, I wonder if God could or would do something out of this, you know, holy discontent that you have. And a couple of years ago, uh, Ken Roberts and I, who's our, you know, our coaching director, you, you guys are familiar with Ken. We started having this idea of what if we begin to certify um, coaches or what we call certified guides to help people because he was coaching, I was coaching, Christy was coaching. We didn't have the capacity or bandwidth to be able to coach everybody that was coming forward. And so it was. It started as a seed of an idea. And then over the course of uh, 2020, we developed all of this stuff. And now we're sitting here and we're about to have a conversation where you guys are going to open up, kind of open up the hood on your certified guide experience, Naomi, you working with Teresa. And we're going to get to hear what God has done in your life through this process. And this is just one of those full circle moments that I am it's so excited for our listeners to be able to hear 
One, because your story is amazing, Naomi. It's, a, it's amazing the way that God has worked in your life. But also, I just feel so humbled that we get to be a part of it. And, uh, and, 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 and just really proud of you, Teresa, for how you've walked through all of this. And so we're going to dive in. I, I want the listener to be able to hear and, and just uh, absorb all of this, because I think this is just going to be a very special conversation. And so, Naomi, why don't you do this? Why don't you begin? I want you to kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself now, and then I want you to go back and start telling some of your story prior to Nothing is Wasted intersecting your life. Okay, thanks so much for having me. I think it's such a privilege. Um, Well, I'm a 64-year-old pastor's wife, mom of four great adult kids, and I have 14 grandchildren with one on the way. Uh, We live in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. That's a south suburb of Milwaukee. I'm a retired music teacher who now has more time to spend with my grandkids, so I'm excited about that. I've enjoyed teaching women's Bible studies and speaking at women's events, but currently I'm getting some much needed time to do what I really love and that's writing. So that's a little bit about myself. Um, My story, (laughs) I grew up in a pastor's home uh, where my parents were very busy building a new church. Uh, With a small church salary, my mom worked long hours, and my dad was always working a second job to support his six kids. While they were working, we took care of ourselves. You know, back in the 60s, you just kind of did that. So at the age of 10, I began spending time with my little girlfriend, and together we were invited to her next-door neighbor's home, a widower in his 60s. We were always excited to go there because he started off by always giving us a bowl of ice cream, and that was just a fun thing to have. But it quickly became apparent that this widower had other intentions than just giving us ice cream. He was a master at grooming little girls, and soon we fell victim to his games. One day he sent my friend home, leaving me there all alone with him. I had no control over what happened next. I was horribly molested, and I was made to feel as if it were my fault. As soon as I could get away, I remember running as fast as my little legs could take me from his home. I ran so fast, I shook, I cried, feeling the worst shame and pain a little girl should ever have to feel. But you know, I absorbed all of that to be my fault. And after all, you know, didn't I deserve that? I went to his home willingly. So I felt like this was my fault. I was such a bad child. I felt so shamed that I didn't tell my parents and especially my dad, fearing that I would get punished severely. You know, he wouldn't have ha- he wouldn't have punished me. He probably would have gone and beat up the guy or whatever. But that was my little 10-year-old self believing that. So shortly after the physical violation, um, I soon began to be spiritually violated. So the physical and the spiritual violation just kind of ran together in ugly colors. So um, a visiting evangelist came to our church who had a deliverance ministry. So this is when my dad became immersed in the subject of demonology. The belief was behind every bush, behind every sin action, and reaction was the name of a demon. The demons were named liar, thief, disobedient to parents. You get the idea. Any sin 
from a little child. You know, they would say, that is a demon, actually. So over my dad's zealousness to teach his congregation how they could get free from sin, he actually took this to a dangerous level when he began to experiment with casting out demons uh, with me. I became my father's guinea pig at the age, I think I was between 10 and 11. He would take me to these house prayer meetings where I was seated on a chair in the middle of their gathering. He would then proceed to ask, is liar in there? Um, You know, is thief in there, you know, or disobedient? You know, you didn't answer right to your mother. So is that demon in there? Well, I definitely didn't hear any voices, but in order to get out of that chair, I would say what he wanted me to say. So I would kind of change my voice. It was just really creepy. And um, this was just really impacting me horribly as a little child. So when I would finally get out of the chair, I felt the same physical sickness that I felt after the molestation. And if these episodes of spiritual abuse weren't bad enough, for many years to come, my experience in the chair, along with my name, would be brought before the congregation as a sermon illustration. (laughs) I would just cringe when my name was mentioned from the pulpit in front of my peers. And this went on well into my teen years, you know, 15, 16, 17, and I just wanted to crawl under the pew. It was awful. Um, I believe this is when I began living a life of secret self-loathing and being vulnerable to unhealthy people. Soon my communication skills were one of two things. I would either cower and say what people wanted to hear so that I could leave and get off, get out of the chair, so to speak, you know, or on the other end of the pendulum, I would over-communicate and I would want to control in order to be understood. So I took these learned behaviors into my adulthood. And after marrying my high school sweetheart, we graduated together from Baptist Bible College. And then we went right into full-time vocational ministry. We were so young and ignorant about boundaries for our family and what healthy ministry should look like. You know, they didn't teach you that in your college classes. So consequently, we were involved with some unhealthy leadership, and that was difficult to navigate for me. You know, when you have any unaddressed trauma in your life, serving in church ministry will pull it right out of you, and it did. For me, the more difficult situations were serving under insecure leaders because we didn't have those boundaries set up around us, right? Um, We were so ignorant. Um, So anyway, when your childhood abusers are men who've made grave decisions to your detriment, it is very hard to respect decisions from those that would control without reason or squelch thriving ministry opportunities that you're a part of. And, you know, if you've experienced childhood trauma at the hands of men when you're little, I don't know, I've been told that you have these, I don't know, a second sense of red flags with men who lack integrity. So, you know, my red flags were always there. (laughs) So more and more, I found myself dealing with emotions that would try to surface. Um, 
And I like what Terry Wardell calls them, unrepaired emotional ruptures or leakages, triggers. I was leaking all over the place. Mm. Um, But I didn't have any explanation for these. I didn't even know what a trigger was, the true meaning of it, until I met with Teresa the first time. Mm. So with all these uh, unrepaired emotional ruptures, I would feel guilty, and then I would confess the sin of a wrong response, and then I would go on with life. And that would be a normal cycle for me. It wasn't that I didn't deal with some of the past at certain times in my life. I just never and no one helped me address the real trauma that was buried deep inside that would just leak out here and there. So I would then cycle in and out of depression. And sadly, there were two attempts at suicide when the pain was so unbearable. I would recover. I would make sure no one in the church knew and then pull myself up by my bootstraps, which is an impossible feat. (laughs) And I would go on thinking no one was the wiser, right? So I had a few ineffective counselors that would address the presenting trauma and not get to the real trauma. I've had counselors give Bible verses to memorize. I've had counselors who dealt with cognitive behavior. Um, Every one of those past counselors missed it, including a well-paid psychiatrist. (laughs) Um, They all left me feeling stuck. So life went on. Life kept moving, children, work, ministry, and in all of that living, I had never stopped long enough to understand that my emotional responses to certain events were actually triggers that were tied to my 10-year-old abuses and the unhealthy ministry involvements. So that brings me to what happened at the end of last year. I wholeheartedly believe that after being heavily involved in a fruitful season of ministry in 2020, Satan wasted no time in orchestrating the most bizarre meeting I had ever been in since I had sat in the chair of shame when demons were called up. When I walked through that door and sat down for this meeting, I soon realized that I was being placed in another chair of shame. And all my life, I had always said, oh, I'm in the chair of shame, or I'm, you know, I don't know why that kept coming up in me, um, but I would say, I'm so shameful. And I just, that was my identity. I wore it like a dirty pair of socks that I would take on and take off. But when I was being placed in that chair, all the old familiar feelings of violation and sickness overwhelmed me, paralyzing me so much that I couldn't do what I should have done. And that would have been to stand up, say this is very unbiblical, very untruthful, and walk out with strength and dignity. But I couldn't. I was paralyzed. Um, That meeting was so telling about my emotional well-being because I found myself sitting there and cowering in fear. I was just paralyzed. I couldn't move out of my chair. So when I got home, I just thought, I can't live anymore. I'm just such a shameful person. This is awful. Days afterwards, I experienced panic attacks. I had never, you know, in all the unhealth in my life, I had never experienced panic attacks. I thought I was having a heart attack uh, in the middle of the night. I mean, I would do nonstop crying and and just feel in utter despair. My husband, Mark, he is amazing. I mean, he is God's gift to me. 
Mark would hold me and pray over me and cry out to God to bring the most effective counseling into my life. Because at that point, in the middle of the night, when I am having a panic attack and just paralyzed in fear, I mean, fear just gripped me. Um, I even said to him in the middle of the night, why don't you take me to a hospital? Mm. You know, it was it was that bad. He And I'm so thankful he said, no, <laughs> we're going to pray for God to bring the best counseling into your life. So that night we prayed and it was like, I don't know, it was a Sunday. Mm. The next day, I believe it was a Monday, January 25th, I happened to randomly check my email and almost scrolled past an email from Nothing is Wasted announcing their Pain to Purpose course. You know, I've been an avid listener to your podcast since 2018 when my daughters, Carissa and Ashley, told me about it. So I thought, I've just listened to the podcast. I haven't subscribed to anything, but somehow you got me on your email, Mr. <laughs> God's <laughs> divine plan. Wow. So, um, yeah, so with nothing to lose, I entered the needed information to set up a Zoom chat with Ken Roberts. And I have to tell you, when I met with him, um, and I was telling him my story um, about my dad and, and different unhealthy leadership, um, he leaned in, and it was the first time a man said with compassion, can I just apologize for every man who has hurt you and wow. left wounds? And wow. I just began to cry, and that was God showing me that there are good shepherds. There are good people. God used Ken in a in a big way. And when he listened to my story, he was really in tune. And um, it, I don't think he really researched much. He just said, I know who I'm going to put wow. you with. And he told me about Teresa Glantz. And uh, when I got off, I want to say this, when we got off that call, um, and I looked into the prices and how much I needed and whatever, and I told Mark. And, you know, we just didn't have the money at the time. And Mark looked at me and he said, we are going to trust God for this. You need all 11 wow. <laughs> sessions. <laughs> not five, not wow. seven. You need yeah. 11. Yeah. And I, he wasn't saying that in a mean way, but he wanted to get the best care for yeah. me. And so by faith, we signed up. And one week later, we got a check for the amount. That doesn't happen to me. Wow. That happens to other people. And so um, that was just so cool. And then I started meeting with Teresa. Wow. And I'm so thankful for your ministry. This, we'll say more about it, but this is just an amazing uh, counseling guide that took me from A to Z that no mm. other counseling has ever done. So. Wow. Naomi, I don't even know how to respond to all of that. Um, wow. I, you know, on one hand, I'm so, I'm so grateful, uh, for your, your willingness to be your, your vulnerability, your willingness to be, um, uh, I mean, this, it's just very, it's a very tender moment just to hear you talk about the things that you experienced and, you know, and, and then to hear this moment that you had with Ken where he leaned in and, and apologized on behalf of every man that you have had um, these kinds of adverse encounters with and that you've been 
um, you know, ob objectified by and abused by and man, um, whew, sometimes you just hear things that you just, it knocks you off your, off your feet and mm -hmm. you, and you don't know how to respond. And I hear story after story, after story, after story, but Naomi just, you know, one, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by, um, you know, even right now, as you recount your story, I'm struck by the poise that you're able to recount that story with. And I know that that has come with uh, hours and hours and hours and months and months and even years of working through um, the trauma of what you have gone through. You know, in a second, we'll talk yeah. about this idea of, you know, a, a trauma narrative, because I know that's something that Teresa is really passionate about. But I would love to take a couple of moments to ask a few questions um, about some of these things, you know, that you experienced. Um, it, a lot of folks that experience trauma at an early age, they they kind of live with this um, this false belief that this is normal. This is what maybe even this is what everybody else is experiencing. And. I'm just having a tough time grappling with the realities of life. And so this is, I just kind of need to, I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I need to deal with this because I guess what I'm experiencing right here is kind of every child's normal experience when in fact, it's very much not the normal experience, but this is the false belief that we, that we live with. Would you say that was that right there? What I just described was true. Uh, um, as you grew up, you know, in your childhood, that some of this, uh, you know, kind of this seed of shame and the, the casting out of demons. Was there something in your mind that was saying, oh, I guess this is kind of normal for pastor's kids. I guess this is kind of normal. And if so, when did it begin to shift for you and go, wait, something's not, something's not right. Like they're, they're, I've got, I, I, this can't be normal. You know, yes, you're right. I think as a child, you know, you know, something's wrong you were shamed, you were violated, but, um, and I knew the thing with the widower, that was right. definitely right. not normal. Yeah. And that was horrible. Um, but what my dad did, um, my dad was always a zealous pastor and father. And, you know, I do want to say, I know he loves me and I loved him. He went to heaven six years ago. Um, but, or and, I'm learning the button and, <laughs> um, and he hurt me, you yeah. know, he, he abused me. But to your question, I did think that was kind of normal in our church because he normalized it, you know, and um, it, it was funny. He only did that with me and my brother. When I've talked to my sisters, I've got four older sisters and they never had to sit in a seat and have demons call, called out of them. So, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, how the victimized child yeah. gets that. And so did my brother. We endured a lot of that unhealth. Um, so it, it, to a point, it was normal. But in my teens, I began feeling resentment. Mm -hmm. And then it was playing out in those emotional leaker leakages yeah. ruptures you know in um my married life and then toward uh those in authority i would question more um so either i would cower or question but 
But you know, that second question is a little harder because I can't pinpoint. Um, but I know that, you know, just this last January when I and February when I started um, counseling, then it became like, oh, this was really horrible. Yeah. I mean, Teresa, you can speak into that, right? With um, I, I write and I sent her a manuscript of when I wrote in 2009 when I first tried to overdose. And I talked about this demonology a little bit, but I gave my dad a lot of credit and stuff. And she said, Naomi, you're not... Um, you're not seeing how bad that was to be done to you. Um, can you explain that better? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to, I, I mean, I think we do this a lot, is we try to minimize our trauma. It's too hard sometimes to really absorb everything that happened and to be honest about it. So instead, we minimize it. And I mean, it's you say it great in, in um, pain to purpose. You know, if we can't name it, we can't heal it. Yeah. And 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 Naomi really struggled to say, I think it was abuse. And you know, as a coach, you can't come in and just go, it was abuse. Like you kind of have to lead her there slowly, and eventually she gets it herself. Right. But you know, and again, it's not about saying her dad was bad. Right. He was trying to trying to help and use Naomi in the midst of that. And it became abusive and it became very wounding for her. So helping her to see that was really my goal. And then when I read this manuscript she wrote, I mean, it was just all over. She was not willing to name in that, that, that what happened to her was not appropriate. Yeah. And that's often that seems to be the case with spiritual abuse. It seems to be very blurred, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, all abuse kind of, lives on a spectrum. However, it is a lot easier to identify, you know, where in many cases with sexual abuse or physical abuse or, you know, emotional abuse, even where it crossed over into inappropriate and on even down the spectrum to, you know, just horrific. Right. But, but spiritual abuse, kind of that, that line seems to be gray so much. And, you know, it's something that is emerging in the conversation a lot right now, is it's bringing to the forefront this, there is another abuse out here that lives within the church and it's, it's masked, it's cloaked, um, in this spirituality. And, um, sounds like, you know, that, that that might've been a little bit of why it was so difficult for you to identify. This is abuse. This is not right. You're right. And there's something else in the very first chapter after, or the first waypoint when you have the emotional, the emotion wheel of the feelings wheel. Yeah, is that the what feelings you say? Wheel. <laughs> yes. Um, I saw how deficient I was in being able to name my emotions. That wheel helped me tremendously um, to, I had to look at it. I had to get words for what I was feeling. So, and then I was from a very um, fundamental, more legalist background. So that played into the guilt, the shame. And so it was always me, and I couldn't get better, you know? Yeah. If you like listening to the Nothing is Wasted podcast and want to hear more from our previous guests, 
we have an entire library of bonus episodes you need to check out. With these episodes, we bring back guests who have already been on the podcast in order to add to their interview with helpful resourcing, advice, and topics that supplement their already incredible interviews. This month, that bonus episode is with my good friend, Lamoris Crawford, who was on episode 89 of the podcast and in bonus content we released on our regular platform about racial reconciliation back in August of 2020. Lamoris is on fire for the Lord and always has an encouraging and timely word for you, our listeners, that will challenge and inspire you to want to be closer to God. In this conversation, we talk specifically about marriage, spiritual warfare, and how Satan targets marriages and purity. Listen to this clip from my bonus conversation with Lamoris. The key ingredient is if Christ isn't invited, there's no hope for the marriage. And so when you come into a covenant marriage, two things occur if it's going to be successful. One, you die to get into it Hmm. and you die to get out of it. If you want to listen to this entire bonus episode or any of our other bonus content, or just want to support our ministry with a monthly gift, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash partners and sign up to make a recurring monthly tax deductible donation of $20 a month or more. If you're hesitant about committing to $20 a month, you can start a seven day free trial to preview the bonus content we have under our partner program. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Did you notice any point, you know, prior to getting connected with Teresa, were there some pockets where you saw the Lord kind of give you a glimmer of hope or, or show up in any way? You know, I, I think sometimes we can, you know, we can hear other people's stories and think that, and we can go, I, you know, I'm sitting here going like, where, God, where were you in all of this? Did you notice some places in your life and during these really traumatic moments or traumatic times that... God seemed to reveal himself to you, but maybe it was difficult to kind of grasp hold of, or maybe it was difficult to really like live in the, the truthful reality of who God has, you know, uh, called you to be and, 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 you know, how he's created you. Um, yes, I think there were, I mean, God is so good, even though, you know, we're not getting thorough and right healing along the way, there were, uh, positive things in ministry. God doesn't waste any of our experience, obviously. And so I can take away from each mini- ministry experience um, good and um, where we were able, either able to impact and be used of God or how uh, people impacted us and showed love and graciousness to us. Um, I have to say that I um, even though there were times of being able to, uh, my bent is more toward women's ministries and uh, teaching. And, and funny thing, I, I taught breaking free and I couldn't get free. <laughs> and I, um, you know, was able to be into people's lives, women's lives, and, and, you know, try to be a blessing and all of that. But I have to tell you about the oasis in the middle of all of this mm. was 
when God gave Mark and I an opportunity to do two years of a ministry opportunity in the Dominican Republic, our children had just left home. We were empty nesters. Everybody was married. And we got this awesome opportunity to be in Santiago, Dominican Republic, and teach at the school, Santiago Christian School. And um, it was like an oasis. You know, like I was reading in the Psalm, is it Psalm 84 about the Valley of Baca, where Mm. the children of Israel are walking through this valley and they're on their way to Zion to worship and they're weary, they're tired, they're thirsty, and God himself fills these wells with water. So they come to these wells, they gather, they get refreshing, they... um, probably sit and rehearse under the shade tree if there is one in the wilderness about God's goodness. And then they move on and they've had that refreshing. And as they're walking to Jerusalem, Zion, they're rehearsing God's goodness. And then he provided this. I believe in all my ministry experiences, it was hard because I was always trying to stuff down, you know, the childhood trauma, didn't want it to come out. And so God opened up a well for me in the Dominican Republic, and it was so refreshing for two years. I had a wonderful missionary pastor who just was amazing, and we had ministries. I began a Bible study with the Dominican women in the school, the moms. We saw 20 women come to Christ in two years, and just the just the ministry opportunities, Mark and I, every every weekend, we'd just jump on the Carib Tours bus and go to Sasua Beach and, and have a refreshing there and come back. And I just think God gave that to us right in the middle of, you know, hard stuff. Yeah. And then when we came back, we had some more hard stuff yeah. Yeah. <laughs> until it brought me to this point. You were talking about how much you were shoving down that childhood trauma. You didn't want it to, you know, you didn't want to address it. You didn't want it to come out. I'm sure there were a lot of reasons why, of course, you know, that you were shoving this down. But did, did some of it have to do with the fact that you were a pastor's wife? And oh, yes. You didn't want, you didn't think maybe those two things could coexist, you know? Mm. No. Um, I needed to put on a good face. Mm. You know, I was teaching women how to live fruitful, victorious lives. And here's my wounded self. I would put all this energy into um, teaching, all my energy in teaching music classes at school. And then I would come home and I would lay on my bed and just stare at the ceiling like all of that energy went out of me. I had nothing left. But I had to have that energy to put on a good face, you know, and at church, it until now, it really wasn't talked about that you're going through depression or you're, you know, need to deal with childhood trauma or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yes, I definitely stuffed it to save face. Wow. Wow. Well, so then, you know, you get connected with Teresa and I'd love to spend some time kind of unpacking what your conversations were like, you know, obviously this was, I mean, geez, weeks and weeks and weeks of unpacking this trauma and working together and stuff. But I wonder if you guys can hit some of these highlights, some of these moments as you guys were working together, you know, Teresa, what was your 
your thoughts as you entered into this um, this working relationship with Naomi and 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 what were kind of some of the approaches that that you decided to take in this situation um, and and what were some big like aha moments you know what were some big like really breakthrough type moments that you guys experienced yeah yeah I'd love to um, first I'll say like you know, God in his sovereignty, right? I mean, he, he connects Naomi and I together. Um, and I think Ken probably put us together because I'm a pastor's wife as well. Yeah. So it was a good fit, right? Yep. Um, you know, when I, when I get on a Zoom meeting with somebody, I have no idea <laughs> what their story is going to be like. And so when Naomi came up on the screen and could barely speak because she was crying, Boy, if I couldn't relate to that myself and understand, like, I've been where you are. Like, I totally get it. Um, as she started to share what we'll call her presenting trauma, the event that took place that was the meeting she was in the chair, anybody who would hear that story outside of knowing her full story, my first thought was, okay, this is what happened right now, but I know it's connected to something mm. that happened a long time ago because her behavior and her response to that was so off the charts yeah. that I knew it really wasn't about this meeting. It was about something more. And you're talking and so, about the one later on in life that she was alluding to, this, yeah. this seat of shame moment. Yeah, yep, yep, okay. yep. That's kind of her presenting trauma, right? right? And so as we began to work together and she started to share her story with me, I could totally, God just said, here it is, boom, right? Yeah. Here's the, the connection we're seeing. And so my job is to lead her to that without saying, here it is, you know, yeah. just saying, you were in this abusive relationship. And um, so really, you know, gently being prayerful about how to walk her through that. Um, as we work together, I mean, we became great friends, mm. like texting and we're buddies now. I mean, we are great friends. I, I tell her all the time, if you live by me, we'd be hanging out all the time. So it, it was just such a blessing. But, um, you know, I think some of the really great moments for me as I worked with her was it wasn't like Naomi came to me and was saying, hey, can you help heal me? Right. Naomi was saying, I'm I'm I am desperate to be healed. Mm. I don't think I know I did not understand how deep this went until she and I started working together. And so as we would go through a waypoint, she would send me an email or text me because she was actually making that waypoint experiential for herself. Mm. So let's just talk for a second, Naomi, about waypoint three, which is the one about bitterness, okay. right? And so we walked through that and, you know, God's bringing up these things as we're kind of talking through in our session. And she texts me later and about something that happened. If, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about what happened in that. Yeah. So we were talking about the forgiveness and the bitterness and, um, boy, I wanted to get free so bad. I mean, I was used to hearing if you do A, B and C, you're done, you know, right. and so we're done, Teresa. Right. <laughs> So I did my lesson. I mean, when I would listen to your videos, Davey, I would literally, if it was a 40-minute video, it took me an hour and a half because I'd stop and write down all your good quotes. And mm. you should see my book. It's a mess. <laughs> um, but when I got off that Zoom call with our, our time together, um, I was just like, God, I want to be free. 
It didn't happen that same day, but the next day I felt such a heaviness and so stuck um, that I went into my living room. And this is a neat story that, you know, I always said I'm in a chair of shame. Well, I went in my favorite stuffed chair Mm -hmm. in the living room and I really met God there. I just opened my hands, closed my eyes and begged God to reveal what needed to be revealed to me. I sat a long time in that moment, and I wrestled all the whys and the memories of the past. And then it was so neat. I mean, nobody told me this, but I experienced God guiding me first through emotions that I felt as a 10-year-old girl and running out the door after being physically violated. I felt all that shame and disgust, and I was like, it was, it was just, it was God. But God was holding my hand through that. Um, so I, I just wrestled all of that out and then I sat with God longer and he exposed lies that I believed about myself. And I asked God to reframe that and help me to lay it down. I was able to, um, you know, feel those emotions enough to forgive And I know forgiveness is a process, but that was the start. And I laid it all down. And I laid, I just sat there for the longest time with my eyes closed, my hands held out. I mean, snot was running down my Mm. nose. I needed to get up to get a Kleenex, but I didn't want to move because I didn't want to let go of God. Mm, I was just having such a neat experience with him. And um, I just felt God continue to guide me through a reframing of who I really was. And then this is the neat part. I saw God take away the chair of shame in my life. That was amazing. Um, And, you know, I, I was able to see that God allowed the circumstance that happened at the end of 2020 to get me to this place. Satan, maybe, have he meant it for bad, but God meant it for good to release me completely from my past. And he gave me a reframing of what a chair looks like and his healing. And um, I just stayed there in that moment. And then something funny happened. I was like, okay, God, I want a new name. What is my new name? And I I thought, okay, are you going to call me chosen, beloved? And I couldn't hear anything. I was like, God, where are you? I need to hear a new name. And then I thought, okay, I'll close this and get up. And I opened my Bible and I opened to the book of Ruth. And I'm not one, Mm. just like with the money, I'm not one to believe in just open my Bible and there, poof, is the verse, right? And um, so I had begged God, give me a name. Mm. Instead, he gave me his name. And it was Ruth 4. Uh, 14, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. Wow. And I went, God, it's not, you've already given me a name. I'm your child, but you are a restorer and a redeemer of my life. And I, I was just so thankful. And the rest of the day, I just wanted to just stay in that moment and and praise and thank wow. him. Now, okay, all right. Let me make a connection here for a second. Uh, maybe I'm having an aha moment. 
that was in the book of Ruth right there. That was, was that stated over Naomi? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And Naomi means sweet. I was Mara. Yes. <laughs> and then he redeemed and, he and gave made me. you sweet. Wow. Naomi. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, and he replaced this, this name shame mm-hmm. with, with the name he gave you, you know, yeah. with your, with your original namesake. And that is sweet, man. Exactly. And you know, ever since then, I have not even mentioned that I'm shameful or feel that way. I mean, that I was really, truly delivered from that. Wow. Yeah, I, I think some of the stuff as we work through a lot of the waypoints, um, I think one for me that was really impactful, um, you know, I was going about my day. I can't remember what waypoint we had finished. And um, Naomi sent me a text and she was at Lake Michigan and she had some pictures and she said, I wanted to let you know I came out here to reclaim mm. Um, some time that I had with the Lord where I almost ended my life before I reached out to pain to purpose or to nothing is wasted. And while I was just, I didn't realize that she had went that far into depression, that she had went to Lake Michigan and actually considered walking out onto the ice until it collapsed and she would end her life. And so after going through one of the waypoints, she decided, I'm going to go back out there and reclaim that. And it was just a beautiful story of God's promise that, you know, he will redeem the things that happen to us. And she got to actually go out there. And I loved that she would make these waypoints into experiences because it took those experiences to actually bring her to a place where she could fully heal. It was just, we had some great, great, amazing moments like that. Wow. Yeah. You know, we talk about this a lot that if we are experiencing trauma, right, an emotionally laden trauma or a relationally Mm -hmm. laden trauma requires us to experience healing. It requires that the Holy Spirit uh, comes in or uses someone else for us to experience that relational healing, that emotional healing. It can't just be something that we know up here cognitively. It has to be something that, you know, if we're going to talk about it in simplistic terms, that that travels that 18 inches to our heart and ultimately into an experience where we we know, right? We know in the, the depths of our soul uh, the, the, the truths of God's word and the truths of who he is and the truths of who he has called us to be as his children. Um, how would you say, Teresa, as you, as you were working with Naomi, as you, as you work with other people, uh, how would you kind of qualify the interplay of all of that? You know, you have, we, we also talk about in the midst of that, right? That God's really the healer. Jesus is the healer. He's the big T teacher. We talk about that in the pain to purpose course. He's the big G guide, but that we need other guides to walk beside us to kind of point that out because we are too close to the situation emotionally. We're too close to our own trauma. So where does all of that interplay? How do, how do you, as you're approaching it, how do you kind of uh, take up your role and then help them to see Jesus's role in all of this? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. You know, I think one of the most important things we can do is, um, you know, they, anyone that comes to me or any of the other guides, the first thing they have to do is really learn that they can trust us, right? Because mm-hmm. 
Trauma survivors usually don't trust people easily. I mean, Naomi's story is a great example of that. And so for she and I to be able to build a relationship and her to understand that she can trust me, that she can text me when there's something going on and I will try my best to text her back. Um, So really learning about trusting people. And then once I feel like I've gained her trust and I know that, I can begin to point out things that maybe she's missing. Mm. Have you ever thought about this? And try to connect some of those dots for her because that was that's really what happens is we get we've minimized it so long it's nearly impossible for us to see. Yeah. So we'll take the example of men, authority, pastors, right? Mm. We'll just take those three things that often played a role in some of the abuses that she had. Mm-hmm. Well, if we can kind of connect those and say, do you, how is this showing up today in your life? And then she could see like, oh, I do struggle with that. Then that can be something that we're prayerful about when we're going through the sessions. She has a great example of what she would do with the ABCs of emotions. That's in Waypoint 1 and 2. Um, she would actually have an experience and then come home and map that out wow. and say, okay, here's what happened. Here was an activating event, my core belief, or my belief, and then the consequent emotion. Okay, let's do it again. And this time, let me see what was the wrong belief I had yeah. and what, how do I need to work on that? So again, made it very experiential. Right. I wasn't telling her to do that, but she was doing that. And I just kept seeing God, I mean, after session after yeah. session. Like I was like, yay, clapping my hands. Yeah. Like this is awesome. So yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when we uh, allow God to be God in the situation, He shows up, right? For sure. And, we, For and when sure, we just yeah. kind of are leading people, you know, in that process and not trying to give people the answers necessarily, but just walking with them, asking questions, mm-hmm. trying to point them back to really the, the, the truths of God's word, then the Lord yeah. shows up and He does yep. the work that only He can do. And that's what's so, I think, so powerful, Naomi, about your story is all these places that God just shows up for you in, you know, in these different, you know, times where, where you're sitting in your chair and you're just, you don't want to leave because you don't want to, you think maybe it's going to, it's all going to dissipate and it's going to end right here. You want to continue to experience just this flood of God's grace right there. I think those are just such powerful moments um, mm-hmm. to, to be able to truly experience that healing. Absolutely. And it, it is God. And this is the first counseling guide uh, program course that you encourage to experience God in the healing. Mm. I That's where it's at. Yeah. And when I would experience God at different waypoints and he would show up and show me, um, here's an example Um just a couple weeks ago, I texted Teresa and said, you know, I'm healed. Mm. But like Terry Wardell says, I'm being healed right. and I'm yet to be healed. Right. And so I said, I'm just really struggling. Some uh, situation happened and I, I just, you know, struggling with the leadership. Mm. And um, she prayed for me. She gave me a guiding question that just kind of put me back on my heels and so for a couple of days, I wrestled that out again. And because I had the tools with pain to purpose, that situation was resolved with the Lord and the experience with God in just sitting with him in those moments. 
Um, it didn't take the months with the other healing. It was like things came quicker, so a trigger would come. Um, here's one of the things that came to me last week was I was, I don't know how this dream got in my head, but I could see my dad at the door of the perpetrator's house and I'm standing behind the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing here, dad? And he says, we do anything we can to win someone to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not what my dad would say, but you know, I don't know what made it come up like that. And so I asked God, I said, this is so troubling to me. I thought I was healed from this. I thought this was done, you know. There was this little layer that had to be, you know, nipped in the bud. And so I spent time with God, and, and He was able to show me as I wrestled it out. The vision I got in my head was um, my dad the perpetrator, me, and God with his arms around me. Mm. And it was like, God, you were there. Yeah, You are my loving father. You haven't left me. And I was able to lay that down much quicker. Wow. So uh, the tools that have been provided and taught in this pain to purpose have been phenomenal. I use them all the time. And when I get triggered, then I have something to work with. And I go on quicker, you know? Wow. Well, I'm curious as we kind of close our conversation, how you're beginning to discover that uh, and step into the actual repurposing process. You know, there's so much healing that's done and it continue. It will continue to be done in your life as these new layers get revealed to you. But now you have the tools, as you said, to really address those things early um, but as you begin to kind of ask God for a vision for, you know, the next phase, next steps of your life, uh, what, what, what is some of that purpose that's beginning to emerge? Um, well, I think I'm learning how to live better mm. <laughs> in a healthier place. Yeah. But the amazing thing in repurposing all of that um, is I am not going out and telling my story, Right. But I have had no less than six women come to me, and these are all women from age 55 and older, and they're beginning to share their pain stories with me. Mm. And these are women who just keep cycling in. I mean, I have a 72-year-old friend who refers to herself as trailer trash, and I said, you don't do that. And so we began talking, and her story came out. Um, so no less than six women have come to share their story with me. And I have such a burden to help probably more so the older women that have been stuck for years like myself. So I know God has a timing for everything. And I, one of the things I wrestled with is why did I have to wait till I was 64 to get free from this. I know, God, you could have brought this into my life earlier, um, but I think it's for such a time as this. And I I don't know all the reasons why, but I do see older women needing help. And that's where my heart is starting to go. And then um, I'm doing a lot of writing in a healthy way. Mm. And I'm having Teresa read each chapter to make sure that (laughs) it's 
still healthy. Wow. <laughs> so. Yes, it's good. She's a great writer. I love it. Like I get, I read it. Like I'm like, I can't wait to mm. hear what happened to this person. You know, it's yeah. She's doing an amazing job. It's been it's been an honor, honestly, to walk that God would let me be and have a front seat to see her be healed. It's just been really amazing. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's been great. That is so cool. Well, I can't get over the providential nature of God. You know, you said it earlier, Teresa, but you know, of course we, we have created some structure and some strategy around how we match people. But the Mm -hmm. reality is, is that we didn't, we didn't go and recruit people into being a certified God guide. God just brought those people. And so in Mm -hmm. his providence, he brought someone like you, Teresa, with your story and with your training and then your interaction with the pain to purpose and with nothing is wasted. And God's used all that to fuel this ministry that you have. And then here comes Naomi you know, and while you may be questioning, why was it, why did I have to wait until I was 64 to, mm-hmm. it, but it is for a time such as this, where you could be matched with the absolute perfect person to walk you on this healing journey and, and point you to the healing power and of the Holy Spirit. And so I just, I can't, I can't get over, that's how God works. There's this, he has this, we call it the, the divine flow, this relational connection that he wants to create these webs around us that, that catch us in the midst of our pain. And, um, and, and so I'm just, I'm proud of you, Teresa. I'm proud of you, Naomi. Thank you. It's such an honor to be able to just kind of share in this moment and hear your story and then broadcast this to so many people who are hurting and you're giving people hope because of the way that you guys have walked through this together, each of your stories. Thank you so much for your ministry and the time that you've put in, in, uh, writing the curriculum and then your new pain to purpose devotional that has been an extra aid tool in my life so i'm i'm just so appreciative and and i just love teresa i'm so thankful for her and she has been the best coach ever mm. <laughs> you're sweet thank you yeah it's been a blessing for sure that's awesome well we appreciate so much you guys spending some time with us and sharing uh so many Uh, deep personal moments of this journey uh, with our listeners. And I know that it's touching them. I know that it's impacting them. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I told you that this episode was going to minister to you. That Uh, conversation was unreal. Unbelievable. Man, man. I'm just, you know, I'm blown away by the, by the progress that I've seen in Naomi mm. and, and all of the different strongholds that were broken as she journeyed with, with Incredible. Teresa, you know, I mean that like, I'm telling you if to see the drastic changes happen, Teresa testifies to this, but to see the drastic changes happen in Naomi. And I jumped on beforehand with, um, with, with Naomi and Teresa and Naomi's husband jumped on and they were just super over the top about how grateful they are for nothing is wasted ministries Aww, and what God. God is doing in this. So we're just, I mean, I feel so humbled to be yeah. a part of how God is assembling all of yeah. these certified guides in this community to help you listeners as you're walking through your pain. And I think mm-hmm. it's just vitally important that we have someone like a Teresa that, yes. is, that is on our team. We need a team in our healing journey, but someone so who can be a coach that can help us as Teresa did for Naomi, right size our pain. 
Hmm. Right? To be able to identify, here's some places where you might be blowing certain things out of proportion. And then here's some places where you're minimizing some things. Yeah, you're you're missing that this is like yes. actual trauma and it's okay to name that. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And so that that is, you know, I think one of the benefits, one of the many benefits of having a coach walking beside you or a certified guide, as we call them, walking beside you in your pain journey. Yeah, I, I absolutely thought that was just such a beautiful part of their relationship when when Teresa helped Naomi see like, no, 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 that the trauma is that you were spiritually abused by your dad. Like, yeah. let's just name that for yeah. what it is. I don't know about you, Davey, but I feel like I've had people come in and out of my life who yeah. have done that for me, right-sized my pain. Like, I was, I was thinking recently about uh, two things. I'll just tell these stories really quick, but... One, I, I had um, spoken, I actually write about this in my book, Known, but I mm. had spoken somewhere and afterwards a man came up to me and really criticized me, like ridiculed oh, yes. me, made me yes. feel like about this small. This. And I was processing it with uh, the woman who was my spiritual director at the time. And I'll never forget, she said, to, and, and I was trying to be like, but he's so, I mean, he's an academic, like I need to learn from him, this thing that he's, yeah. I probably need to hear what he's saying. Maybe this is a message from God. And I remember saying, oh, you realize you got stabbed in the back Mm. and it's like you're asking what you did to deserve it instead of being like someone stabbed me in an alley and i don't deserve that and and i'll never forget her saying like there's a difference between going under um this the knife of a surgeon that you trust yeah and again being stabbed in the alley by a stranger and those are weird metaphors and i know that could even be triggering for some people as i'm saying those metaphors but the point is she was saying like this is okay that it hurts you and you don't have to carry this yeah you need to you need to validate that within yourself right and say yes and so that way you can step into the process of of grieving that Mm-hmm. Right, and moving we, forward from it, right? Yeah. If we don't validate it, then it just kind of floats around, and you know, trauma sphere never gets yeah. filed away properly, and so we're never yeah. able to move forward. We're never able to heal from those things. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, you know, we were. Um, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, I think I talked about it in Christie's episode, but when she shared her story on the hundredth episode, my wife Christy, mm-hmm. she when we first started dating, she would just talk about the things that had happened to her in her life and she'd just gloss over them. And I like, I'd have to go, wait, no, wait, what did you say? Mm. Like, hold on, hold on. Say that again. What happened to you? Mm. And it's almost like she had kind of suppressed it so much that she wasn't validating these, these like massive things that had taken place in her life. Bless her heart. And so, so I'm going, Hey, you need to, you like, that that was a big deal right there. Mm-hmm. You need to, and so I remember that being so healing for her. And she shares that quite publicly as well as as she's kind of walked in a healing journey from the trauma she's experienced. But I had an experience just recently, Aubrey, where someone did this for me. And I feel like it it, it almost shocked me because I feel like, you know, so often I'm kind of doing this for other people. You're the one doing I was just right? thinking that. Yeah. And then it yeah. just like it it took me off guard and it so let me let me set up the situation. We're at the widower retreat that we do with refuge widowers every mm-hmm. year. Daniel Brooker and his team, and so I, I I'm helping out with this. I'm one of the presenters for it. We're all sitting around and and, and we're kind of in this Q and A. And there's a guy that was there. We're hoping to have him on the podcast here pretty soon. Um, but his name's Jim, and he starts sharing. He says this thing that like it like the the air got sucked out of the room. He said, he said, guys, the most private thing that you could ever go through has now become the most public thing about you. Whoa, Davey. And Aubrey, I felt in that moment, 
so validated mm. that immediately my my eyes start welling up with tears. Yeah, I like, mean, it was I'm, like it punched I'm me, and it was like, <gasps> and it's almost like nobody had said that to me, like. And I know he wasn't saying it directly just to me. He was saying it to this whole group. But I, for yeah. me, I was like, oh, my gosh, my story has been so public. Yeah, and immediately got thrust into that. And I just kind of ro like rolled into that thinking that was somewhat <sighs> normal. But nobody's ever said, wow, this thing that you should have mm. just dealt with privately, like mm. the most personal thing that you could ever go through and losing mm. your other half is now been plastered everywhere mm. as the most public thing about you. And I'm like... Man, it would just, it, so to me, I was like, man, there's something I got to deal with, right? I got to like yeah. sort through yeah. some of that stuff, but I, I felt validated in that. And I think that's, that's so important Powerful. for all of us to, to, to have someone that can point those things out to us and reframe these, these, uh, these, these things that we tend to, by nature, we tend to just, you know, minimize them, box them yeah. up, you know? Yeah. But to have somebody mm. else validate that is so right. powerful. Again, this is why, I mean, we've said this before, yes. but this is why we love our certified guides and nothing is wasted. Mm. And if you want to find out how to hire a certified guide or maybe join a community group, maybe check out the Pain to Purpose course for churches or yeah. for yourself, you can find all of these resources we have available at nothingiswasted.com. Yes. And uh, while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to our email list. You can scroll down to the bottom. There's several different ways that you can, you know, hit, you can click on the pop-up that pops up right there to subscribe to this. On this email, we're going to send you podcast releases, giveaways, blog posts, ministry updates. So make sure you subscribe to that. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream his music anywhere you can download and stream music. And we want to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at, at Davey Blackburn and you can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And next week, we are so excited to be joined by Matthew Sleeth. He's mm. a former emergency room physician, has a power, powerful story. Man. Let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's conversation with Matthew Sleeth. I preached uh, not that far from you uh, a month or two ago, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, which, for your listeners who aren't familiar, is a Jigunda right. um, Huge. A church. Yeah. I think it's the fifth largest in the U.S. now or something like that. And I asked people, first, I asked uh, early into my sermon, I asked how many of you have been affected by suicide, meaning how many have lost a friend or family member, not an yeah. acquaintance, but a friend or a family member. Half the hands went up. Wow. And then I asked... 15, 20 minutes later, I said, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on this? And it's an eerie thing to be inside a gigantic auditorium like yep. that with everyone looking around yep. and not one single hand went up. 